This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. If we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin, and I am so excited that you chose to be here with us today. Today is a great day. If you're a guest with us today, you could not have picked a better day. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I really believe more than almost anything else in our lives, has the power to help us experience uh, a purpose in life, a meaning in life, success in life, transformation in our life. Maybe more than anything else that we talk about, uh, this thing, this way of interacting is it. And it can change you if you're open to it. And God wants to use it to really meet us today so we could experience all that God has. And here's what that thing is. That thing is perspective perspective changes everything. Uh, I am married to an incredible woman, Maria, who was just playing the keyboard. That's my wife, and she is an artistic type of person. She loves art and drawing and painting and collage, all sorts of stuff. She loves it. I am not an artistic person. In fact, I used to hate Fridays in fifth grade because Friday afternoon in fifth grade, we had to have art class, and we had to make like those turkeys out of our hand and, you know, all that crazy stuff— I hated it. I went to the bathroom for like 45 minutes every Friday afternoon. The teacher thought there was something wrong with me intestinally. I mean, I, I, I hated art. And, and so now even today, when our kids want to do art or when Maria sees a blank canvas, she like runs to it and wants to do it. And I see art and I run the other direction. I just want to get away from it. Why? Because my perspective is that I am not good at art and I don't really like art. And therefore, I move away from art. Her perspective is that she is good at art. She does like art, so she moves towards art. See, our perspective in life shapes our reality. Our perspective shapes what we do. Our perspective shapes how we interact with situations. I would say it this way. I've experienced in life, and you probably have too, that the person who says, I can't, and the person who says, I can, are both right. The person who says, I can't succeed in my marriage, my marriage is doomed to fail, is probably right. And the person who says, I can succeed, we can succeed, we can make it in our marriage, we can make it work, is also right. Those of you who are in school, you just started up a new semester, and if you're in college, you got your syllabus, and your teacher gave you all the work you have to do all semester long. And those of you who looked at it and said, I can't do this, are probably right. And those of you who looked at it and said, I can do this, I'll look at it again in 14 weeks, are probably right. See, perspective shapes us. If you if you're, don't have a job right now, and it's a difficult job market, and we know it is, and you're saying, I just can't get it. I can't get it. I won't get a job. I never will. You're probably right. And if you say, I can. I can do this. You're probably right, too. We're in this series called We Fit, which is all about experiencing a healthy life. And if you've been listening to it, your perspective is shaping how you're interacting with the material. See, the first week we talked about uh, the reality that what we say and what we think either sets us up for success or sets us up for failure. And the Bible gives us some really clear ways to look at what we say and what we think. It says the first thing we need to do if we want to succeed is we need to confess. We need to say the things that God says. And so what he says about me, I say about me. What he says about my body, I say about my body. We need to confess. And then there's this other Bible word that really kind of tightens us up sometimes when we hear it, but it's the key to success, and that is 
We need to repent. And repent was just, remember we talked about it, it was just shaping the way we think, to think the things that God thinks. Because if we say what God says and think what God thinks, we will have long-lasting success in what we do. But if we just set New Year's resolutions to try to do something new, usually they fail because we haven't changed what we say and changed what we think. Which set us up for last week, which is where Ron talked to us about what God does say about our bodies. Remember, he said that we think of it as my body, my rules, my body, my life. But the way God views our bodies is my body, God's temple, the place where God's spirit actually lives. God's spirit moves in us. It dwells in us. It lives in us. And therefore, there's some pretty serious things that come out of that. What I put in my body, what I do to my body has something to, to do with how I interact with God. What I, what I do in terms of my health has something to do with whether or not I am honoring God with my body because my body is the temple or the dwelling place of God's spirit. And now to perspective. What do we do with that information? How do we view that information? Because depending on, on how you're, you're going about this series, depending on your perspective, will, really will shape how you're interacting with what we've been talking about. For example, um, some of us are here and we've been listening to this series, and we've been thinking, that's not a problem for me. If we're totally honest, that's, that's not a problem for me. Uh, on The Biggest Loser, I think it was last week, on The Biggest Loser, uh, they had a statistic that said 17% of children ages 2 to 19 are obese. 17%. And then they asked the parents of those 17% about their kids' weight. 75% of the parents said that their kids were either normal weight or underweight. These kids are, are obese. They've been, they've been marked by doctors as being obese. And their parents, 75% of their parents said they're either normal weight or underweight. And their perspective is killing their kids. See, perspective is a, a hugely important thing. It shapes everything about us. Ron said last week, if you remember, that three out of four of us, if this room holds true to the statistics nationally, three out of four of us are going to die prematurely simply because of our eating and our exercise habits. Now, how many of you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, if you're totally honest, thought to yourself, thank goodness I'm person number four. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Okay, three out of four of us, that means three quarters of us are going to, to have a shortened life because of how we interact with food and diet and exercise. And I guarantee, I know I did. thought, well, I'm glad I'm person number four. I'm glad that doesn't pertain to me. Thank goodness. And we start looking around. Who's it going to be? Not me. You start counting off next to you. And you think it's just not a, it's not a problem for me. And so you're missing out on something right now. Something God might want to speak to you. You're missing out on the opportunity to add five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to your life because of your perspective. Or then there's the other side of the coin that says, you know, you've just, you're hearing this and you think, I just can't do it. I, I can't do that. I don't have the time to eat healthy and to plan meals. I don't have the time to exercise. I don't have the time to, to live this life change out. I just can't do it. And when we say that, our perspective actually takes us out of the game before we even start. But I want to tell you something today. You can do it. You can be healthy. Because God says you can be healthy. And this is a spiritual matter because remember, the Bible says that God's Spirit actually lives in us. 
Remember, Jesus also said, I came to give you an abundant life, a full life, but there's an enemy to your soul, the devil, and he wants to kill and steal and destroy, and he's stealing our lives, and he's killing us early because of health. This is a deeply spiritual matter, and we can do it. I love uh, what Peter says. Peter's one of Jesus' closest followers, and in 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what he says. He says, you can do it because God's divine power has given you everything, everything that you need for a godly life. And he's done it through our knowledge of him, of God, who called us by his own glory and goodness. You can do it. God says you can do it, and he's actually given us the power to do it. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life, a life that honors him, and that includes the way that we interact with our health. And what if that perspective really sank in? It would change everything, not just about our bodies. It would change everything about our, our lives. We would look around and say, there's no mountain I can't climb with God. There's no obstacle that's not an opportunity with God. There's no difficulty that doesn't have a possibility with God because God has given me everything I need, everything I need to live an incredible life with him, to live a life that honors him and glorifies him. And that includes with our bodies. And today I want to look at two major ways, two major perspectives that the Bible gives us to view life. One of the ways it says, don't view life this way. This way will hurt you. And the other one, do view life this way. This is the right way to view life. And here's what God says. Two different ways we can view life. We can either choose to look at life with eyes of fear, eyes of fear, and fear takes all kinds of different forms. Fear is like, I'm scared. Okay, we all know that. I'm scared. I'm fearful. But how about this? I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out at work. I'm thinking about work all the time. When I'm, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about how I need to get more done. When I'm at home, I'm thinking about all I have to get done. Stress actually has a root of fear. And here's the fear that stress has. Fear says, uh, you know what? If I don't worry about it, if I'm not preoccupied by it, if I don't spend all my time doing it, it's not going to get done. Stress says that I'm afraid that God is not big enough to do what he says he's going to do. Fear takes all kinds of forms. How about apathy? If you're apathetic towards life, things are never going to get better. Uh, it's just always going to be this way. At the root of that, below apathy is fear. It's fear that God can't change my circumstance. It's fear that God can't heal that relationship. It's fear that God can't move in that situation. Fear is the root of almost everything else that we look at, which is why the Bible says, do not look at life through eyes of fear. Uh, my wife and I are trying to buy a house right now. And man, we've been on this journey for about 10 months of trying to buy a house. We've put in seven different offers. And we've been rejected seven different times. Uh, it's, been, it's been tough. It really has. We had an offer go through. We thought that it was going to happen. It was a short sale. They said, you've got it. The bank said, yes. All of a sudden, the second loan clo you know, said, no, we're not going to do it. House went into foreclosure. We we're back to square one. And I couldn't figure it out. I've been asking God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to do? And, and then he showed us last week, a week ago Friday, this house that was heads and tails above any of the other houses I'd seen. And I thought, okay, God, this is why. 
This is why we haven't gotten those other houses, because this is the house for us. And I mean, it was the first time I got excited about a house, like really excited. This is going to be our house. We put in an offer. It was right at the top of our price range, but we thought it's a good offer. We can get it. And then we found out on Thursday, we were the runner-up. Somebody else bid just above us, and they got it. And I left work that day so discouraged. I literally talked to God in my car out loud, looking like a crazy person. Did anybody drive him by? God, I do not know what you're doing. I have to go home and tell my wife that we didn't get a house again. And I was incredibly discouraged. And then I realized at the root of my discouragement was fear. Fear that either God doesn't know my situation or doesn't care about my situation. Because I was afraid that God either didn't know my situation or didn't care about my situation, I was discouraged. See, fear is the underlying root of almost everything that keeps us from arm's distance from God, that keeps us from experiencing God, that keeps us from experiencing life, which is why the Bible over and over again, God over and over and over says, do not view life through eyes of fear. Instead, Choose to look at life with eyes of faith. The author of the book of Hebrews defines faith this way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Faith is the confidence. Go ahead, say confidence. Confidence. You can talk back to me. You're not my kids. It's okay. (laughs) Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance. Say assurance. assurance. It's the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Remember, Peter said that that God has given us everything we need to live the life that God has created us for, has called us to, to live a life of godliness. And faith is simply believing that that's true. Faith is believing that what God says is true. That if God says, I've given you everything you need to experience the life you were created for, to live a life of godliness, to succeed in life, faith is believing that I will. Faith is believing that with God, I can achieve. I can do it. God will give me the strength. And it leads to an interesting question. Why would we ever choose fear when we have faith on the other side? What's the benefit of fear? Why choose fear? I think the answer to why we choose fear is at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I think we we choose fear because it says, faith is the assurance of what we do not see. But when we look around us, what we see is scary. When we look around us, what we see is discouraging. When we look around us, what we see is hopeless. And we see it, and it becomes hard to have faith in what we can't see. It's hard to have faith in a promise that God made in the Bible. It's hard to have faith that God will come through because what we see looks so scary. Turn on the news. What we see looks terrifying. And so we lack faith, we, we lose faith, we forget about faith because fear is always right in front of us. And there's a great story in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers. Uh, and it talks about a group of people, actually a whole nation of people. And they have an opportunity to choose faith or fear. And a few of them choose faith and the majority of them choose fear. And the outcome of it is an incredible warning to us. So I want to look at this. It's Numbers uh, 13 and 14. I'm going to kind of outline the way this goes, but I want you to read it. So write down Numbers 13 and 14 in your margin. Take it home, read it. It's an incredible story. It's an amazing story. And here's how the story starts out. 
this nation of Israel, God's people, this chosen community, God said, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. They had gone into slavery to Egypt. Egypt was the powerhouse. The nation of Israel was in slavery for 400 years, generation after generation after generation after generation of slavery. And the people are crying out to God, God, you've promised all these things, but all we can see is slavery. God, rescue us. And after 400 years, God rescues his people. He sets up this guy, Moses, to be their leader and to be the one that leads them out of slavery. And they get out of slavery. They escape from Egypt. And they begin to walk towards this land that God has promised them. It's a nation. Because remember, they've been in slavery for 400 years. They have nowhere to go. The world has sprung up around them with all these other tribes and people groups. They don't have a land they can just go and have. So they need to go take this land that God has promised them. He says, I've got an amazing land for you. It's a beautiful land. It's a fertile land. It's a land beyond anything you can imagine. So you got to walk for two years. They walk for two years across this desert to get to this land. Because it's a whole nation of people and it takes time to move them. So they get all the way to the edge of this promised land after two years of wandering around, of moving towards it. And God says, this is the land I want you to take. So Moses, their leader, sends 12 men to spy out the land. These 12 men go in. They're going on a facts-finding mission. And here's what they come back, and here's what they report. They say the land is beautiful. It's, it's, it's beyond anything you can imagine. They say there are grapes in this land that are so big, clusters of grapes that are so big and so heavy, it takes two grown men to carry a cluster of grapes. This is it's an amazing land. The ground just produces this amazing crop, and we can live here, and, and it'll, be, it'll be beautiful. They say the whole place is is just a gift from God. And they say, it's full of people. And they're big people. They're these people that were the sons of a knack. And and we know that they were like seven to nine feet tall, two to three hundred pounds, big people. That was the wives. No, no, they they were big people. They were big people. And they have these fortified cities. These big people have these cities with walls around them and armies. So there's this gorgeous land and there's these big people. And this is the report that they give back. In verse 30, it says this, Caleb, who's one of the 12 12 spies, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said this, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. God has promised us this land. This land is a beautiful land. We're going to take the land. We can do it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They saw the people and they got terrified. They forgot about God's promise because of what was right in front of them. And they began to spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land's that they had explored. Here's what they said. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Not true. The land is beautiful, but they said it's, it devours those living in it. And the people there, they're of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes. And we looked like grasshoppers to them too. Same 12 men same exact journey. They went into this land. They spied it out. They saw the same exact things, and they came out with two totally different outcomes. Caleb and this guy Joshua, the two, the two men with faith, they said, we can take it. We can do it. 
The other 10 guys said, we cannot go into this land. And they stir up this whole nation to be afraid. And so the nation decides, we just, we can't do it. We can't trust God. I know God promised this land to us, but we just aren't going to be able to take it over. And everyone becomes afraid. And God gets mad because of their lack of faith. And God says, fine, if you don't think you can do it, if you don't think I'm powerful enough to do what I say I'm going to do in your life, fine. You can wander around in the wilderness for another 38 years until this entire generation dies off because you do not have faith. And then I'll take the next generation into the promised land. And that's just what they do. They wander around in the desert, in tents, homeless without a land for 38 years until everyone dies off except for the two men who had faith. And then a new generation goes into the promised land and takes it. Friends, we will never succeed in life if we have eyes of fear. We just won't. Because eyes of fear only focus on what's going on right in front of us, and it counts God out entirely. Did God love the nation of Israel? Absolutely. He loved them so much that he freed them from slavery. He loved them so much that he guided them across and did miraculous things to bring them to this land that he promised, this beautiful land. He loved them so much, he was just going to give it to them. But they didn't trust him. And because they didn't trust him, they missed out on the life that he had for him. A whole generation of people that could have had this incredible land, they missed out on it, and they wandered around homeless in a desert. And I wonder how many of us today are missing out on the life that God has for us. Not because he doesn't love you, because he loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you could have your sins forgiven, so that you could have his Holy Spirit living in you, so that you could be the person he created you to be. He loves you. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on the life he created us for simply because we see everything through a lens of fear. Discouragement, stress, anxiety, apathy, they're all with a root of fear. And God's saying, don't be afraid. You have me. I've given you everything you need for a life of godliness. I've given you everything you need to succeed in this life. Don't be afraid. I wonder how many of us, if we're totally honest, talking about health, talk about healthy living, I wonder how many of us are going to die 10 years before God would want us to, 15 years before we have to, simply because we're afraid that getting on a healthy diet and exercising is just going to be too hard for us. And our families will grieve at the loss of us. And we will miss out on ministry we could have done here on earth and relationships we could have had simply because fear is robbing us. Remember, the Bible says, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal your life away. But I want to give you full life. And fear, fear robs us. So how do we move away from fear and towards faith? How do we stop living lives of fear and start living lives of faith? Well, we need to do what Caleb called the people to do in verse 30. He says, we should go up and take the land because we can surely do it with God. If we want to move away from fear and towards faith, we need to see things with eyes of faith and we need to move. Write that down. We need to move against fear. Move against fear. 
We can't talk fear away. We can't reason fear away. We can't argue fear away. Fear is irrational. Here's how I know fear is irrational. How many of you know firsthand a close friend who has died of a spider bite in Northern California? Raise your hand. Died of it. Okay. But how many of us, when we see a little tiny spider, freak out, run away, stand on a stool? Okay. The Bible says when you see a spider, you need to move against fear. Move against fear. Guys, husbands, how many of you know a man, a husband, who has literally died, died from talking to his wife about his feelings? But some husbands are scared to death to talk to our wives about how we're feeling, about what's really going on in our lives. Fear is irrational. So we don't reason fear away. We move against fear. We move against fear. We take concrete steps of action against fear. Are you afraid that you will not be able to get healthy? You cannot stick to a diet plan. Here's what you need to do. Pick a diet. Pick exercise. Pick a plan. Get into a life group and then move against that fear. Start doing something. I used to think that, listen, my senior year of college, this was my breakfast and lunch. Cinnamon brown sugar Pop-Tarts and a Mountain Dew and a menthol cigarette. That was my breakfast and lunch my entire senior year of college. If you would have said to me then, Kevin, you can have a healthy diet. You can actually eat right and your body won't turn to goo on the inside. I would have said, you're crazy. I can't do it. But God has shown me he's given us everything we need to live a life that he created us for. You can do it. You just need to start doing it. Move against fear. Remember, Hebrews 11 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we cannot see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we cannot see. Faith says this. Faith says, even though I can't uh, physically see my marriage working out, even though I can't see my health getting better, even though I can't see myself getting a job physically right now, I'm going to envision a world where those things are true. I'm going to envision a world where my marriage succeeds. I'm going to envision a world where I raise my kids in a way that's, that's honoring to God and draws our family close together. I'm going to envision a world where I can be healthy. Because that's called having faith, that God can do what he says he's going to do. Here's a few ways we can get started in moving towards faith. The first is this. We need to invite Jesus into every room of our house, into every room of our our lives. Picture your life like a house with a bunch of locked doors. You have your finances. You have your kids. uh, You have your job, your relationships, your friendships, your extracurriculars that nobody knows about, and they're all locked doors. Jesus does not come in and bang down locked doors in our lives. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you open the door, I'm going to come in and I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to be with you. If we want to move away from fear and move towards faith, what we need to do is we need to unlock all those doors of our lives. Our finances, our health, our family, our job, our security. We need to unlock those doors and say, Jesus, 
I invite you in. I invite you in. Here's why that's incredibly important. If you're afraid in an area of your life, I'm afraid in my finances, I'm afraid in my marriage, I'm afraid in my job, God is not there. I know God's not there because God's very clear that God and fear cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So if you're afraid about something in life, God is not there. And where there is not fear, God is there. So if there's an area in your life where right now you're anxious, you're stressed out, you're fearful, invite God into that area. Unlock the door. Say, God, I want you to come in. And the next thing we need to do is we need to do whatever Jesus says to do once he gets into that area of my life. We invite him in and we say, God, I don't even know what you're going to say about this area of my life. But I know that it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good for me. I know that you want things for me and not things from me. And so I'm going to invite you in. And then I'm going to do whatever you say to do in that area of my life. Obedience to God unlocks his power and it unlocks his presence in our lives. And it gets rid of fear. It helps us to see with eyes of faith. So here's what we do. We say, God, I'm going to unlock the door to, let's just say, my finances. My finances have always been over here, God, and you've been over there. I'm going to unlock the door and let you into my finances. And then I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to see what you say about finances. And whatever you say about finances, I'm going to do that thing. And when I do it, I'm going to unlock your power in my life. I'm going to unlock your presence in my life. You're he- we're, hearing, we're hearing all the time. Ron's been sharing with us last week. We're hearing what God says about our bodies. Now I'm going to do something about that. So we invite Jesus in and we do what he says to do. I want to ask you a question and you don't have to raise your hand. What's stressing you out today? Are there areas in life where you're feeling anxious? Are there areas in life where you're feeling scared? Are you afraid to take an honest look at your health because you know it's going to be difficult to take some steps? Listen, if there's fear, there is not God. And when there's God, there is not fear because God and fear cannot hold the same space at the same time. Because God loves us perfectly and the Bible says that perfect love, God's love, drives fear away, puts fear away so that we can live the life of faith we were created to live. So are there areas, just write them down in the margins, are there areas of your life where you're you're stressed out? Job, family, friends. I I don't know. And then I want you to think this week, what does God say about that area of my life? What does God say? And how can I move from fear to faith? How can I move from fear to faith? When I came up this morning, I asked you to pull out those connect cards. So I want you to get those out for me. On the back of those connect cards, it says, I want to apply today's teaching by, and there's some ways to, to move today, to move towards steps of action today. And I want to invite you to move today, to take a step towards faith. And here's some different ways we could do it. The first is, uh, I just want you to commit. I'm going to take a tangible action step and move towards faith this week. Here's a great way to do a tangible action step. Join a life group. We're in our life group promotion month right now. Uh, Life groups are groups of people who meet, 12 to 20 people that meet together for 12 weeks and talk about a certain area of 
of life, a certain area of relationship with God, something that God's speaking to you. So listen, if you're scared about your health, we have four healthy living life groups. Join one of them and take some steps of action. If you're scared that, you know what, what if I actually read my Bible? What if I actually study the Bible and pray and I, I just don't feel close to God still? That's a very real fear. Join one of our Bible studies. Get to know the God of the Bible and give him a chance to be faithful to you. Join a Bible study. If you're afraid that you'll never make any friends, join a life group. Find some new friends. Meet some new people. Allow God to move. Move towards a step. Maybe it's something else, but take some sort of tangible step. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, your action step is to become a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus, not someone who claps on the sidelines for him. A follower of Jesus who says, God, I'm going to open every door of my life to you and let you in and let you do whatever you want to do because I know it's good. If you've never made that decision, today you can do that. In just a minute, I'm going to pray actually. And if you sense God is drawing you to himself and you've never actually let him into your life, he's always been at arm distance. He's always been a distant part of your life. You can invite him in. You can make a decision to give your life over to Christ completely and allow him to begin to work in your life. Or maybe you're here today and you've been in the church for a long time, but God's always been a distant second to your life. Today, you need to recommit yourself to God and say, God, I'm fully opening up to you. Yeah, I would always say I'm a Christian. Yeah, people around me would say I'm a Christian, but the truth is I've always kept you at a distance and I'm ready to say yes completely. I'm going to give myself completely to you today. If that's you, I want you to recommit yourself to Jesus. And if you're making a decision to make a first-time commitment or to recommit yourself to the Lord, I want you to mark that on your Connect card so I can pray for you, so we can follow up with you. I thought it would be a great thing to do is just to, to close our time by taking communion together. And here's why. Jesus says, you know what? God loved the world so much that he, he sent me. He sent me into the world. Jesus said, God loved the world so much he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would never die but would have eternal life with him. He says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus Christ. And he did it because Jesus was a a perfect person, fully God and fully human, who showed us what it looked like to have a relationship with God the Father. And then there was this sin issue that separated us from God because God is perfect and we are not. And Jesus died on a cross. He gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sin. He took the penalty for our sin, which was death, onto himself so that we could be forgiven and come back to God. So that we could experience God's love. So we could experience his spirit living in us. So we could experience a life where we walk away from fear and walk towards God and walk towards faith. I said earlier that the Bible tells us that God's perfect love drives out fear. It pushes fear away. And God showed us his perfect love by sending his son to die on a cross and then raising him from the dead and breaking the power of sin and death and destruction in our lives. So we are going to take communion together. We're going to celebrate the fact that God, his perfect love drives out fear. And then we're going to sing that song that we just ended uh, our worship time earlier with, that we will not fear because God's promises are true and real. Do you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you that your incredible love sent Jesus into this world and that through him, through his sacrifice, we can come into relationship with you. 
and that through him you've given us your spirit living inside of us that gives us the courage and the strength to do the things and be the people we are created to be. Thank you that you've called us into relationship with you. Thank you that we don't have to live with fear anymore. We don't have to live a mediocre life. We can have a life of purpose, a life of freedom, a life of wholeness with you. As we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you've asked him to forgive you of your sins and you've asked his spirit to come and live in you and to transform you, to change you into the person he created you to be because he did create you and he loves you. If you've never made that decision, you can do that today. You can whisper this simple prayer with me. You can either whisper it out loud or you can say it in your head and say it in your heart. But you can make a prayer of decision for Jesus today. You can pray this simple prayer. Just repeat this after me. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that in you there is life. I believe that you came to earth fully God and fully man, that you lived a perfect life and that you died on the cross and that in dying on the cross, you actually took the penalty for my sin for those destructive patterns, those things that hurt me and hurt other people, those things that have separated me from you. You took that on yourself and that you offered forgiveness to me. And today I say, yes, Lord. Yes, I want forgiveness for my sins. Yes, I want to take this journey with you. Yes, I want to be free from fear. And yes, I want to walk by faith. So would you come, God, and would you fill me with your spirit? Would you show me what it means to walk each day in light of the reality that you are with me? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.